Welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast, where we use personal storytelling to connect people of Taiwanese heritage from all around the world. I am Cynthia, and I'm excited to use this podcast platform as a way to explore stories of immigration, of career selection, of mental health, of identity, and uh, about what it means to be Taiwanese X. So we've got a lot more to come, and I hope you enjoy. 大家好,欢迎收听台湾人网络广播。我是阿秀,然后用这个平台来跟华侨华裔的台湾人聊他们的生活,过程和未来的梦想。Tony and I talked over the summer of 2019. I'm just getting around to editing it now. I wanted to split the interview into two episodes. Episode 13 will talk about his experience growing up in both the Canadian school system as well as the American school in Taiwan school system and going to college in Canada and then going back to Taiwan to do the alternative military service um, and now being back in Canada again for his master's. In episode 14, um, Tony talks about his mental health journey and some self-care tips. Um, and I thought that warranted uh, a standalone episode. These episodes are in English. So we hope our conversation is helpful to you um, and would love to hear what you think. Well,二零一九年的暑假跟胡慕明聊。我现在整理出来,然后把它分成两段。第一段是讲他在台湾出生,在加拿大上学,后来回台湾上美国学校,然后回加拿大上大学,然后回台湾做替代役,然后现在又
yeah, like I have my experience, but I know it might not be the same as others. And so I'm always glad to, to hear what other Taiwanese people have to say. And I'm excited that you're willing to share about your experience too. So I'm excited that you're going to be my first Canadian. Let's start off with just a quick little background about yourself um, and I guess how you found yourself going back and forth between Canada, Taiwan, the U.S. and other places around the world. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Tony. Um, I was born in Taipei. And at the age of two, uh, my family moved to the States. So I was in Boston first. I lived there for about five years. Then we all moved to Canada. We moved to Toronto, where I lived there for about six years. And then in eighth grade, so about junior high, uh, we all moved back to Taiwan. And so I, I ended up doing high school back in Taiwan. Uh, I went to an international school because at the time, my Chinese was not great. And so it would, it would have been easier for me to just go to a school where everything was done in English. And yeah, so I finished up high school there and then yeah, moved back to Canada for university. And I finished university and then moved, went back to Taiwan and I did military. So I did Tidai and I was, did that for just over a year. I did 13 months. And then after that, now I'm back in Toronto. I'm back in Canada. So yeah, there's a lot of moving back and forth. Yeah, we can get we can get into some of the more specifics if you'd like. Absolutely. For our Chinese speaking audience, mm -hmm. can you do a quick Chinese intro? Yeah, sure. Dajiaohuming. Uh English means Jiao Tony. Montreal那边 回去待的话，我要当。所以，然后，所以我决定就好，那我我当好了，然后当替代役。我当呃教育服务役，然后被派去金门一个国小。反正也是一个蛮就蛮有趣有趣的经验吧。然后，嗯，在在这边退伍之
but enough to like understand basic words. Nice. I am curious about what American school or international school is like in Taiwan. Yeah. So it is a very interesting experience, I think, because so, like in school, everything is done in English and all the classes are in English. Um, I learned like because it was an American school. I learned American government, American politics, American history, and actually not much of Taiwanese history. What about Canadian? So because most of the students in the school were American, so they catered the curriculum towards those people. And yeah, I do remember in my government class, there was an option to, to do like a project on something specific to your own country if, if you are an American. So I, I remember I did do something about Canadian politics, but yeah, like most of the stuff we learned in terms of international education was about America and from like an American, I guess, an American lens. And yeah, I think what was most interesting about it was in the school, everyone speaks English and stuff, but outside when, when you leave, it's all Chinese. And so like I would go like after school, I would go and buy like some zoo nice or whatever. And like I would have to switch from using English to using Chinese or like if I go to the store. Yeah, and so like it, it was kind of like, a, like an, it was like a bubble, like an English bubble within a, like a Chinese speaking country. So they talk about code switching. Yeah. Was that something that came naturally for you? Uh, good question. I, I think code switching is something that I've kind of done ever since I was little. Because even though I did, I guess, grow up in North America, because since I was two, right? So like, I actually kind of consider my mother tongue to be English. But my parents can speak Chinese, and so my parents did, did make an effort to try to teach us Chinese. And like, I remember like, I had lessons with my mom, like my mom trying to get us to learn like basic characters and stuff. Although when like when when you're really young, it's not always like I don't I don't think I was the best student. I'll put it that way. So I did have some grasp of Chinese, especially conversational Chinese. Like it, so, in terms of code switching, like it was it was something that I did even at home, I guess, because my parents. They can speak both, but I think they prefer Chinese. Like sometimes I would speak it in Chinese with them, and then when I wouldn't know a word, I would like switch to English or something. And so, yeah, being in international school really gave me like an incentive to kind of learn Chinese, even though it wasn't necessarily necessary to use Chinese in classes. I even I did take a Chinese class in international school, so I learned Pokemon there. So I, I learned Zuing in high school, which is kind of probably kind of late, but. Like that was that was kind of interesting. When I think about like my background or like my my upbringing, like it is kind of a lot of my education. That aspect of it is, I would say, very Western, because I've I've never gone to a school where Chinese was like the language of instruction. Everything was done in English, and uh, like so, I didn't necessarily learn Chinese history or Chinese Chinese much at all. And so, yeah, even in like when I was in the States or in Canada, yeah, like things like ch Chinese less, like Chinese schools or even like cram schools for that kind of thing. Like that was not really part of my upbringing. I know my parents, like they, they did try quite hard to get me to learn Chinese, like just like from like they were teaching and stuff. But I think when, like when I was so young, I never, I kind of had the attitude like, when am I going to use Chinese? Like, you know, like I'll just use English and I'll be fine. And I had pretty good English, so like I thought that was okay. 
But now, like, looking back, I kind of, I, pro I do wish that I made more of an effort, I think, to prioritize learning Chinese. Because now, like, having, like, gone back and forth so many times, like, li lived in Taiwan recently, it would have been more valuable, I think, if I had Chinese skills, just to get, like, in touch with my heritage more. And, yeah, I, I imagine that a lot of people that go up abroad and kind of lose their, like, home language or, or don't really pick it up, kind of have that feeling too sometimes. Yeah. Do you think that you're approaching it differently now? I mean, you seem to speak pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Well, so I think the interesting thing is a lot of the Chinese I know now is right? So for example, when I went to Dangbing, Dangbing is all Yeah,然后,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在学校,我在
test scores, right? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. There were extracurricular activities and stuff to do in the school. One kind of interesting difference between U.S. and Canada, though, is that Canadian schools don't put as much emphasis on extracurriculars as America does. Like my impression is that Canada is kind of in the middle where you have you, the U.S. where, okay, grades are important, but there's also the whole, what are, what are you like outside of class kind of thing? And then versus Taiwan, which is like, it's all about your grades. I think Canada is like, they do look at your grades and they will look at extracurriculars, but it's not that important to have all the student clubs, all the presidents of this association kind of thing. The requirements to get into Canadian schools are not as strict, I'll put it that way. And did you have ties to Canada? Is that why you decided to go back to Canada? Or were you, were you evaluating European schools? Or like you knew you wanted to leave Taiwan for college, but how did you pick where to go? Yeah. So when I was, when I was young, I lived in both Mingo and Canada, right? And so when I lived in Canada, or Canadian citizenship. So I had that after, when I went back to Taiwan for high school. And so a big part of my reason to go to Canada instead of the States is because I have Canadian citizenship, that makes colleges and universities cheaper tuition-wise. Instead of paying international student tuition fees, you can pay Canadian citizen fees. It's a bit like in the States where in the States you can have, like, if you're in the state. State or, yeah. yeah. But in Canada, it's like if you're a citizen, then you get, then you can pay Canadian citizen fees. Yeah, so that was the main reason. Also, I had family in Canada at the time. Like, I had, like, connections. If an emergency happened or if anything happened, like, I had family nearby. Yeah, like, cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Canada is, is like, this fascinating country. Like, I think your national parks are, it's something I want to explore more. I went to one, um, I went to Banff National Park last year in Jasper, and it was, like, gorgeous, but, like, a ton of people. Did you go during those? August. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was just like tour buses of people all the time. <laughs> I've never been to Banff, but I've heard it's beautiful. We spent fifth grade learning about Canada. Uh-huh. And so I learned a lot about all the different provinces. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and I loved reading Anne of Green Gables in okay, middle yeah. school. So I would love to visit Prince Edward Island at some point. Oh, yeah. Like when I think about like, like the, US, the U.S. and Canada... I, I feel like sometimes I like to ask people like what, what they think of Canada because a lot of people, like especially Americans, I think sometimes they have this impression of Canada as... You guys are just so nice. Yeah, or like like super friendly and I like apologizing all the time. I don't know, because I, I, my personal opinion is I feel like the U.S. and Canada are more similar than, than different. Like I think what, what is really cool about Canada and also like the States is they're both so multicultural that you can really find people from anywhere. And communities of people can form in various places. Um, like, and when it comes to like Taiwanese communities, I think a lot of people think of Vancouver um, on, on the West side as being like a really, like the major Taiwanese hub for Taiwanese immigrants to Canada. Because like, yeah, because there are so many Taiwanese people there. But I, th- I also think Toronto is a big one where I am right now. In these two places, especially, you can really see like, like a, a Taiwanese culture kind of like Im- impacting things here. Just even from like, like food, like the amount of bubble tea stands in Toronto now is actually kind of crazy. So where does one go in Toronto if they want good Taiwanese food? I would, I would say one area is like the area around 
Scarborough Markham. Like very Asian populated, I guess. They have like a the Pacific Mall. It's a huge Asian mall. There's also like Chinatown and various areas in downtown. But you, I think what you will see is you'll see kind of like a mix of all Asian stuff. So like also like Hong Kong, Chinese, other East Asian, Southeast Asian, Southeast Asian food and stuff. Because I think they're, they've kind of mixed. So if, I guess if you want to find specific Taiwanese things, I'm still looking. So I don't know. I've only been here for a few months. Well, they get people to send you some recommendations. Yeah, <laughs> I could use them. I think that's one thing that I miss the most about living away from home. I don't get my mom's cooking. I don't get the local restaurants and you have to kind of like find it on your own as an adult. That's been fun and challenging. Yeah. But I think like, yeah, like there are like Asian supermarkets, Asian stores, Asian, like those kinds of like, of like ethnic shops kind of. Yeah. What are your favorite foods? So I'm a, I'm a big sucker for bubble tea. I like sauce. So I, I'll have that like any day. I, I do like mian, which I think is like very, very standard Taiwanese. Very Taiwanese, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey listeners, if you have any food recs for Tony in Toronto, please tag him on Instagram. It's spelled T-O-N-Y-H-U zero underscore zero. And also tag us at Taiwanese Diaspora at T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A. And check out our next episode, which is a continuation of a discussion with Tony about his mental health journey. And that's it for today. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And please send me a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at T-W-D-I-A-S-P-O-R-A or shoot me an email. It's hello at TaiwaneseDiaspora.com. And if you or other people you know have stories that they'd like to share on this podcast, please send them my way as well. All right. See you next time.